Um, I had severe ADHD, but this was in the early 80s. And I put the shades in, and I bent all the brackets by hand myself, 4,000 of them. Uh, keep making those connections. Uh, don't, don't ever take no for an answer. Welcome to Meaningful. Marketing, mentoring, mattering. With me, Joseph Alcantara. Together, we'll uncover the power of purpose. Experience mentorship magic unpack ways to make a difference, and find transformative journeys as a community. Welcome to another episode of Meaningful Marketing, Mentoring, Mattering. And today we are very honored to have with us someone who is an epitome of turning a side hustle into a meaningful, successful entrepreneurial journey. He's the inventor and owner of the brand Easy Shade, um, the creator of a clip-on light cover for exposed bulbs that is now available at Amazon, Etsy, Walmart.com, select Ace Hardware stores, Home Depot online, and coming very soon at Lowe's, Walmart, True Value, and Home Depot stores. Originally from Toledo, Ohio, he started his career as a special education teacher, which allowed him to travel the world. He worked in five different countries, building special needs programs. And then when he moved to Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates, that is where he came up with the idea for Easy Shape, simply as a side hustle. And that's actually where we met. And outside of his um, entrepreneurial ventures, he loves sailing, diving, traveling, and playing the piano and guitar. Please welcome, short today, Mr. Brian Holdahead. Hi, thanks for having me, Joseph. Appreciate it. Of course, my pleasure. How's everything? It's been good. Business is good. Life's good. I can't complain. Uh, yeah. So um, let's start from the very beginning, right? Okay. My first question to all my guests uh, for this uh, podcast is, what's your meaningful life story? So I grew up uh, in Toledo, Ohio, a family of five. And um, I was the last of five. Actually, my mom had her tubes tied. And then four years later, I came along. So. Wow. <laughs> Mistake or miracle depends on how you, you know, depends on if you ask my mom and what day. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I grew up uh, in a good family, uh, loving family. Um, I grew up with, with special needs myself, uh, which I think was what drove me to, um, to, to teach special needs. Um, I had severe ADHD, but this was in the early eighties, like when it was like, okay, it wasn't, you know, Hey, my kid's kind of hyper, give him some pills, calm him down. No, this was like, this kid needs to pass out the papers, let him run around the school a couple times, like, <laughs> like <laughs> every hour. So, um, it was, yeah, school was a struggle. Um, but with that, my mind always worked very rapidly. I was always like, okay, cool. Like, I don't need all the middle details. I'm here. I'm at Z let's go. Uh, which I think always kind of drove me to um, want to help and work with kids but like that. Um, and then also sparked the entrepreneurial spirit in me because I'm always like, oh, kind of almost optimizing my mind. They could do this better. What if that happened? So, <laughs> I mean, honestly, before we met and even before this call, I didn't know that. Yeah. You didn't tell me about, you know, your backstory, having that ADHD, and then you turned it into something really positive by becoming you know a special ed teacher and then look at where you are now i mean how did that journey 
um, take place. I know it's not going to be rainbows and unicorns from the very beginning to where you are right now. Um, You know, what were the highs and lows? And can you share with our audience the full journey? Um, so I guess the high, the highs and lows is again, it, it always seemed like it was, uh, things came easier to other people, probably because again, they were able to focus on things and where I was just constantly, my brain's pulling me in 12 different directions. You'll probably, if you watch closely, you'll see my eyes probably shift through the podcast off the screen. Cause like a bird will go by and or some sound will pull my attention. And it's, I mean, I'm still taking riddle into this day. Um, it's, I mean, I know that I, it's self-regulated. You know, when I've got something important coming up, uh, you know, I don't take it all the time. But part of that struggle has always been um, watching, even in school, like watching others like finish a test and you're sitting there and it's quiet and you're like, I'm only halfway through. How are they done? Like, like <laughs> I just finished bubbling in my name and they're done already. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. Wow. That's been so little things and that, that kind of teetered over to other things throughout life um, with work. But I think... Part of it is I started relying a lot on my personality and, and that uh, learning what people liked, learning like what kind of uh, what people didn't like, understanding things, optimizing things. When I kind of use some of those strengths, focused on my strengths and not try to fix my weaknesses. Uh, and I think that has been a very big part of it for me. That is a very matured mindset. Um, when did that start, you know, turning something, you know, challenging or negative, like, for example, you gave that scenario where in, you're in school taking your tests, and then you see your classmates finishing immediately, and then suddenly you're probably going to feel anxious. But, you know, the sudden switch of turning the negative or the challenge into something positive, was that journey, you know, very quick or, you know, what's the process like? I think that that took a while. It wasn't until later, probably late late teens, early twenties that I realized, okay, when I was on my own, moved out of the house, um, that, okay, I can do things or I, I can take opportunities or nobody's telling me no, mm-hmm. <laughs> or don't do that. Or why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. I didn't ever be telling me why, why are you doing that? I think it was a big one. Cause, and then I just went with things. So I, I, I was p- painting for a company and I was like, wait, I can do this. Why am I, why am I getting paid hourly? I can, make flyers and pass them out to mailboxes. And I did. And I started my own painting company when I was younger. And that got, got me through college. Um, I would just do landscaping jobs for people. What I would pick up, whatever. Um, something to just keep me busy, keep me going, something that I enjoyed. Some, it was, oh, I enjoyed things that were changing too. That was kind of the big thing. I, I never liked the office structure. Come in, sit at a table. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I need the, mm-hmm. oh, I'm on this job this week. Next job. Where are we going now? Something new. So... Uh, I think that was part part of it. Yeah, love that. So it's like literally um, a character building journey from the time you went out of the house to venturing on your own to finding what you like and you know don't like to do probably, and then diving into the stuff that you're interested at. Oh yeah. So yeah, I mean, what led you to? I know that coming from that personal background, you kind of felt that okay, I want to pursue special ed um, teaching. Um, can you talk us through that journey that led into that decision? I started in business. Uh, it was my family. We have a family firm. Uh, we do financial planning, um, and investments. And again, I kind of had that entrepreneurial idea. So I'm like, okay, I'll go into business. But it was just, again, the structure of college with that, it, uh, it didn't work. And I ended up 
dropping out. And then uh, I took a couple months and then went back into school. I went just basic communications, just something to kind of get those credits that, you know, you got to pay for in order to get the diploma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I kind of landed, I, I ended up running into a friend and she said she was in special ed. My, te- my sister had taught, uh, or still a special needs teacher. Um, and so I got into those classes and they offered those kind of challenges. I think that my brain liked it, for, I'll never forget. I had a class where they gave us a math problem. They said, here's the math problem that you need to teach to these kids. Now come up with three different ways to present it because you're going to have kids that are visual kids that are tactical kids that are, you know, that need this repeated three times. Uh, <laughs> and you have to and teach it that way. So I think that that offered me that, um, that outlet, I think that my brain needed, uh, mm-hmm. and challenge. And, and so, and it clicked, it just clicked. And I ended up teaching special needs for probably like 12, about 12 years. Wow. Um, and I started in Toledo. I taught Italy, South Korea, Thailand, Abu Dhabi, Dubai. Wow. I mean, it just simply clicked. And then right there, 12 yeah. years after, you know, you've been doing it. What's the most fulfilling part of, you know, becoming a special ed teacher? Um, when you get those kids that kind of cling on to you, I think, cause then they realize, cause they realize you get them, right. Oh. And you make that connection with certain kids. I think some teachers, there's, everybody's always got that teacher in the back of their head that they connected with. There's usually always one, right. That they remember. Um, and I remember that was, her name was Frau when I was in, in, in high school and she probably wouldn't have graduated. God rest her soul that, uh, if it wasn't for her. So, um, I always wanted to be that teacher for these kids. And I think, and I still talk to some of them today, some of the kids, the students I had my first year of teaching, and they're in their mid 20s now. Um, God, are they mid, mid, late 20s? <laughs> You're dating yourself. <laughs> <laughs> mid, late 20s, I guess they are. Yeah. But I still talk to some of them today. Um, and, and a few students are from around the world that I've taught to. But um, you, there's having that that uh, person to listen uh, and be real with kids too. I've always found that too, instead of trying to be that authoritative figure, being just, you know, a, a, a big brother sometimes is what they need. Being a, being a dad to some of them don't have one, you know, uh, and are looking for some of the, being that disciplinarian because they're, they're looking for that discipline in their life because they don't have it. So it comes out sometimes, a lot of times in negative ways turning it around and pay hey, there's positive ways to get this reinforcement that you need. So, um, yeah. And, and that's, that's that. I, I love that. Yeah. That, that is very special. I would have to say that there there's really a purpose and really a calling that, you know, made you do all those things and why you had that background in the past. And it's great that you were able to find that purpose immediately, have it click and, you know, fulfill that and pursue that. Um, but on the other side of things, right, um, you're an entrepreneur now. You said earlier that you love taking on projects that interest you. Um, can you take us through the story of how Easy Shade started? Um, so as I traveled the world, I never really thought anything of it. But like uh, here in the States, um, we have a lot of exposed light bulbs, very typically in a basement or a closet or a garage. And when I got to Abu Dhabi, where you and I met, uh, I noticed a lot of the high rises I kept when I moved apartments. I'm like, I moved into one and it had 10 exposed light bulbs. Um, and I, uh, I was like, well, this is going to cost me $1,000 to 
change all these things out and I'm only renting this place. Well, I'm not going to put that kind of money into this. Um, at the time, um, I was working for the Royal family in Abu Dhabi. They had scooped me up and I was uh, doing some private work for them and their kids. Um, and I had, I had a couple of months off and I had extra money. Uh, and I, I kind of sat down with a friend at a bar, uh, Derek, uh, Derek Olson, and we sat at the British club and mm -hmm. I started kind of rattling this idea off to him about, Hey man, do you ever notice how many bulbs there are? He's like, yeah, I had to replace all of mine. I had 15 in my apartment. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'm like, I'm like, how much did that cost you? He's like, it was a lot. <laughs> I was like, I've been looking, there's no clip on thing out there. And we just kind of sat down, did ran the numbers. I was like, okay, average height of the buildings is about 50 floors right let's say there's and then we just did the math and like that's a lot of okay so i started drawing on a napkin <laughs> uh an idea of how this would work it took a year of testing and just different ideas to really before i even had a prototype mm -hmm. yeah that's that's how it started wow I, I was never passionate about lighting or anything but i saw a problem and i realized there wasn't a good solution for it and I, okay, I'm going to bet on myself here. Um, this is pretty, you know, it's a nice side hustle. It's a little project. I'm, I'm learning about plastics, metals, electricity, things I didn't know about. So that's, yeah. Well, th that is interesting because to your point, a product design or engineering, it's, it's not your background. No. And then you literally just took on your actual experience of a problem or an opportunity that you saw and then randomly talk it through with a friend in a bar of all places in Abu Dhabi, <laughs> and then you invented it. Like, how, how did you pull all those resources? How did you think that, okay, I need to learn X, Y, Z to be able to come up with this? Because to me, hearing that story, it's kind of too good to be true, especially coming from someone where your profile is, I'm a special ed teacher, I love traveling, and all of a sudden, I'm an inventor and I will market a brand and create a product. Anyone who ever tells you or when you watch Shark Tank and they say, I, I oh yeah, we only started this like six months ago. They're lying. <laughs> no way. Unless they've tried this four or five times before and no, yeah. Knew all the pitfalls. Yeah, no chance. Or has a background in, in this. I, I'm fortunate enough to be from Toledo, Ohio. So the... There's a lot of manufacturing here. It's right along the Rust Belt, south of Detroit. A um, lot of uh, parts and stuff are going up to the, to the car factories. So I literally just went around when I was home one summer, came, uh, went around and started talking to automotive engineers around town. I just walked oh. into the offices and stuff. I said, tell me about plastics that won't melt or won't you know, turn yellow. And what do you use? And so... And that just took, you know, a couple of weeks and I've learned about metals, what's pliable, what's not, what's, you know, and all that. And literally just kind of started writing this stuff down. By Ask, yourself. Yep. Asked plastic places to send me samples. And I literally just set up all these light bulbs in the garage, my dad's garage and with different watts and like figured out what the melting point was or if they did or didn't. Um, kind of, again, it's just testing stuff. And and. and, and <laughs> to bring it to market, though, that, I mean, so it, again, this took a year to do all that. Okay. And different designs. Um, that sounds realistic. Oh gosh, <laughs> it was not. It was not easy by any means. This, I mean, this took a long time. Um, but once we kind of figured it out, I was like, okay, I'll pull the trigger on this. And then, uh, I hate to say this, this is well, it's been enough time. 
when I got back to Abu Dhabi okay. uh, and I knew the plastic I needed, I, I worked with a, my friend who's a math teacher because I was teaching. She taught me about, you know, all that stuff we probably learned in high school or grade school about circles and circumference and whatever. Uh -huh. She helped me with that. And um, so I figured out, okay, here's all the different bulbs. Here's the length. Here's how much distance I need. Um, I went to these factories, <laughs> walked in and literally just said, uh, hey, I'm doing this project for this school um, with these kids. And we're kind of inventing something. I was basically just trying to get really good pricing mm -hmm. <laughs> and for them not to screw me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So uh, that worked. And uh, I think my account's still actually under the school I was working for over there. <laughs> You're creative. Yes, you, got yep. it, you know, that's just it. You got you to gotta find the, the, the places where you can to be creative and, and, and make it happen. So, yeah, I, I came up with a prototype using a 3D printer um, and then used that and went to these factories and, and got a mold made. Uh, and then we started on our way. Wow. I think the, the hardest part... Going back to your question, mm -hmm. I had all this stuff delivered. I have all the pictures. I remember renting a storage unit in my building and being like, oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, this is a lot of what have I got? And I sat in that storage unit in the blazing heat. You know how it gets over there. Yes. And I sat there and I folded all the boxes um, and I put the shades in and I bent all the brackets by hand myself, 4,000 of them. Uh, you your own just by me. yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm really doing everything. Did everything myself in a storage unit in probably about 110 degrees. Uh, and <laughs> that night after work and just got doing it. And the first, I went to first thing I did was a pop-up market. I went to mm -hmm. one of the, and I, in, at a building. Okay. In Abu Dhabi and, you know, people coming home and I built a little box and I put a light bulb in it. <laughs> I plugged it in. And if people are coming out of the grocery store, I'm like, hey, check this out. You got bare light bulbs. I know you do. And I just showed them it. And people go up. They buy one, went upstairs, put it up, came back down, and bought five more. I think I oh, That is beautiful. I mean, you know, literally hearing that kind of story where in, okay, you, you've done your research. You did everything under your own. You literally used your own hand to... Mm -hmm you know, to assemble all the products um, and to where it is today, um, I suppose is very humbling, but at the same time, it's very inspiring for all those people who will be hearing that kind of story because, you know, um, at this day and age where everything is so digital, where you just Google everything, you come up with, you know, an idea that's very, you know, um, e-commerce related, sure. your product um, in its physicality and, you know, the history behind it says a lot of great things because it's simple yet very innovative. And then how you've taken it to where it is today. Um, it's just a beautiful story to listen to and to hear. Thank I mean, you. yeah. So, all right. So, you know, after a few years, um, I think the pandemic happened. Yeah. So what happened after the pandemic or during the pandemic and you know, how in a good way, that led you to coming back here in the States. And then what I just rattled off earlier, when it comes to where the product is now available in the big chain stores here in the States and on e-commerce sites, what led to that? What was the journey? Uh, so COVID actually uh, was a, was awesome for me. <laughs> Cause everybody, had, <laughs> everybody had to stay home and all of a sudden they're like, you know, just everybody's ordering everything from online and, 
all of a sudden people are like, oh yeah, there's a bare light bulb. Oh, I'm going to go and cover that. Yeah. And sales went through the roof. <laughs> so that was, that was great. Um, I, again, I was still working for the Royal family at the time. This was still a side hustle. I doing markets on the weekends, um, selling online. Um, and it, it was good, you know, but again, it was paying for vacations, right? It wasn't, mm. it wasn't huge money, but it was automated. It automated some automated income. And that, the idea I think was, okay, maybe if I price it at this, I make this many that I did that in the math too. If I made this many and I sell it at this price or this bare minimum, at least I'll make my money back and I won't have lost on mm -hmm. that. Um, I'll may at least make my investment back. I won't have made any, you know, anything, but whatever. But it, it was churning. It was doing pretty good. Um, then I was the cute term they used over there made redundant uh, during yes. that time. Uh, but at that point, I think they, to be fair, the Royal family was being very gracious by keeping me on the payroll because all the kids were in college. I really wasn't doing a whole hell of a lot for them. I was, they created a job for me. I was managing some of their buildings, which that's a whole nother, whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, decided, yeah, uh, I wasn't going to stay in the UAE. They, they gave me like, uh, I, I just thought I was going to look for other jobs, but decided to come back and work for the Royal, uh, sorry, my family firm, um, mm -hmm. investments and helping my, uh, the family out, my, my dad, so my parents were getting old. I had been gone for about 15 years at this point out of the States. Uh, I've got eight nieces and nephews. Um, so it was kind of, you know, time to come back anyway. It's just kind of worked. So, um, it took a couple trips back and forth between wrapping things up. Okay, what am I going to do? I've still got inventory. It's still working. Might as well keep that going um, while I get uh, set up back home. So I, I had gone back. I brought product back with me, but I, I kept it in, in, a, in a bag or in a, in a suitcase. Mm -hmm. um, the intent was to see if it worked here, and I kind of forgot about it, to be honest, because I was so focused on doing stuff with the family firm. Um, and about a year later, I was like, okay, let's, let's, I'm still so passionate about kind of easy shade. I created this product. There's gotta be a market for it here. Right. So I got it online, ended up selling out. There's wow. only like maybe like 80 units. Right. But they sold out. Really like you created your own website. I or put it on Etsy. Okay. Yeah. I created like a quick website and I put it on Etsy and it kind of and sold. So I ended up going back, uh, wrapping up some more things, uh, in, in Dubai. And had come and then brought a bunch, a lot more product back with me. Sold out again. Uh, at this point, I had a friend had let me on their Walmart. They were selling on Walmart, and they added my product to their thing, and that started working. So I'm like, okay, I, I've got a, I got a thing here. So I talked to my dad. I said, hey, I, I still want to work for the firm, but this thing I think has legs. I'm gonna take the money I have and figure out how to make this here in Toledo. So. I serendipitously joined a entrepreneur group here. One of the guys happens to be a family that owns a lighting company in town. Another guy happened to be a guy that owns a family injection molding uh, company. So I worked with them. And then another guy ended up hooking me up with the metal factory. So everything's made in Toledo. The box, the, the shade, the metal, all by family owned local businesses. Um, and then the biggest thing I needed to figure out how to assemble it. Cause I'm like, I'm not sitting in a storage unit and doing that again. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not going to be 110 degrees here. Yeah. At least <laughs> uh, I ended up, uh, there's a company here in Toledo called lot foundation, lot industries. 
and they employ uh, people who have physical and mental disabilities and struggle to get vocational work otherwise or training. So I went to them and this is exactly what they do. They do kind of uh, assembly of stuff, packaging and things. So everything, all the brackets are bent there, all the shades are packaged in the box and, and everything. So and that, that's important to me as a special ed teacher of that background, um, and continuing to have that involvement with that community. So that was what I'm going to say. It's like, it's like a full 360 journey, like one full circle. You started with, you know, being a special ed teacher and now how you manufacture and, you know, market your product. There's still a connection to that first love that you've had, which is really beautiful. But diving deeper into, you know, the process of coming in here and then uh, listing your product to this big retailers mm -hmm. now, right? I mean, hearing your story is like, it's like all, all the dots just simply connected, like of all the random places in Toledo, you met people and then actually helped you and made it relatively easy sounding for, I mean, based on what I'm hearing right now, it sounded I'm so easy. But was it, or what were the obstacles along the way during the transition, and how did you manage all that? Yeah, I'm skipping over a lot. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, part, yeah, it's a hustle. It didn't all happen quickly. It was a lot of research. It's a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of going into offices and talking to people. A lot of no's, a lot of no's, a lot of no, we're not interested. No, I can't help you. Eh, get, get out of here. We don't, yeah, we're not, we don't understand what you're doing, or we're not interested. Um, a lot of research. Part of it is luck, I would say, but again, luck is, is again, being prepared and taking advantage of an opportunity when it, you know, presents itself. And I, I always am, am cognizant of that and focusing. Um, and again, just making your connections. I think people are apt to help you and people are nicer than most people give them credit for. I think when somebody's, you know, asking questions too, because I think when people have knowledge, I'm like, hey, I walk into a place, I'm like, tell me about this, tell me more. Um, that, that, that excited me. So, and I think that excited other people. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. A lot of it was, it was a hustle. A lot of it is sometimes making up stuff uh, too. And not lying, but twisting things just enough to be like, cause get your foot in the door, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And I learned a lot from that. Okay, let, let me dive into the bite-sized pieces. Let's start with the rejections. You've mentioned that there were a lot of no's. Despite all the no's, what made you still, you know, think that, oh, this will work. There's something in here. I have to go on. What triggered that inspiration and that drive and that grit to just continue? Uh, I, I think part for me is, is I know I had something. I, there's no way. I look at other products out there, other things, and I'm like, this is way better than that. Like this, or dumb things. And you're like, how is somebody selling this? Like, this is no, like. It's just, okay, you got to get in front of the right person. It's not going to happen immediately. Part of it, again, is, is I think the, the harder the journey, the sweeter, you know, the sweeter it is the end, right? Oh, is the juice that. worth the squeeze. And if it comes too easy, then it, you know, it's not, yeah, it doesn't make it as good. Yeah, right? it's sensible to yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think things that are hard are hard for a reason. And, and yeah, we're here. We're, we can do hard things. Yeah. We're supposed to do hard yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Yeah. Second point that you've mentioned is about, you know, drawing connections and making sure that, you know, the connections work for you and you're genuinely interested with those connections. Um, have you ever been like that ever since you were a kid or that has developed eventually? I think I, I've always liked 
just making friends with people. And I've never, I've never judged people in any way. Um, I met uh, this interesting story. The, um, apparently, so I'm my girlfriend, uh, her name's Brittany. She knew a guy back in the day that apparently I knew, or we had worked together. I and mean, this was like probably 16. So this was early 2000s. Um, and apparently, we, I, I, I can't remember the story, but this is, the guy remembers the story because she remembers me. He's like, oh, that bohemian kind of guy? I'm like, yeah. So we met, and, and this was, people were still judgmental of people who were gay and lesbian and all that stuff back then. And the guy told me, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, it just it didn't, didn't matter to me. None of that. I didn't, I was just like, are you, are you a good person? Are you, <laughs> that's all that mattered to me. And I think part of, and he remembered that because I think a lot of people were so judgmental or he was afraid to say or come out back then. Um, and I just didn't even phase me. And part of that, again, just making connections is, are you a good person? Like, are you just not an evil human? And I've, okay, good, cool. Then like, let's be friends. Like, I'm happy, you know, right. everybody's got something inside of them. Everybody's got some story, a journey, their own personal experience, background, connections, knowledge about stuff. You never know, right? Like, I always think of kind of like the story of like Madonna, you know, growing up on the streets of Detroit and Eminem, the same thing, right? You never, you never know the talent that somebody might have inside of them or who, you know, they might be. So. Yeah, the, the uniqueness and the differences and the whole essence of just simply accepting and embracing everyone's reality yeah. um, and being there for each other. And like, you know, to your point, just be a good person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all that. Yeah. The other thing that really struck me based on your, you know, last story is all about that continuous curiosity and your fascination to just continuously learn. Um, because right now, especially in this generation, it's like everything comes so easy and, you know, diving deeper into thinking about problems and how to solve them sometimes take a bit of frustration or effort for them um, because not Reality is like not everything is easy and simple. You need to take time, effort to learn, to process. Um, is that something that has always been in you? And how did you apply that continuously as you journey your entrepreneurial uh, story? I, that, so this stems over into different ways. I think, again, nothing great or amazing has ever come easy. Right. And if it did, then odds are you didn't have to, somebody handed it to you or gave it to you. Um, and I learned that through traveling. Some of the, I've been very blessed and, and fortunate to have traveled as extensively as I have. Again, having been a teacher, having the time off and living in other countries and then just being able, I mean, as big as the States are, it takes forever to get outside of the States and somewhere else. But being located like we were in Dubai um, or in, in Korea and stuff, and you can do, okay, five hours and you're in 12 other countries. Um, getting to hard to get to places, mm. uh, hard to travel to, tended to be the most amazing or the ones that had the most difficult journey uh, along the way or things that you're like, well, that didn't work. That train just didn't exist. I had a ticket and it never came. Or <laughs> a flight or having to ride on in the back of a truck or something to get to some place way out there. The harder, yeah, and it, but those were the best and most amazing things. And that stems into things in life. Again, if this is hard, it's probably hard for a reason because most people aren't willing to do it. I can't um, help but agree because if you're going to ask me what my superpower is, it's basically learning from life in general and from travels as well. You know, seeing 
how relatively easy for us to get stuff here in the States, like first world problems, as opposed to <laughs> third world problems when I go back home to the Philippines. It's really very different and really very grounding that makes you feel and realize that, okay, everything in life is pretty complicated. It's not as simple as we all think. But then again, we can make it work. It's just a matter of finding ways to you know, be creative and just simply be a good person. Yeah. Philippines yeah. actually is one of those one of those good stories. We were at Cebu, and then we were trying to get oh. to somewhere else, uh, and that, yeah. <laughs> right? it's like you have to be resilient and yep. patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now going back into the business side, now that you're getting into your foot in the door, you're there um, at the retailers here in the states, and I'm sure that you have big plans in the future when it comes to expansion. How do you then um, market yourself, you know, what you do and the value that you offer to both your end customers and, um, you know, the partner brands that you are now servicing? Um, so getting in front of the retailers was, has not been easy. The, that, again, is part of the journey. You've got to get learn to apply to these things. What is it they want to hear? What is it they want to know? That's been a huge learning curve what you know working with buyers and merchants uh in order to become a vendor and learning all of their acronyms and different things but that again it's it's paid off it's it's been like let's do it let's i'm gonna figure it out i'm gonna made in america is is one Hmm. is it more expensive yes can it be done here yes um but again bottom line it's gonna cost you more but that's okay i'm i'll take that on working with um supporting the special needs community is a huge one having the product also be better than the rest. I've made it out of polycarbonate. So that's one of the strongest plastics out there. So literally you can throw it on the ground, hit it with a hammer, it won't break. Mm. Um, And it's got a UV additive, so it's not gonna turn that ugly yellow like a lot of uh, shades do over time. Mm -hmm. Um, Marketing, so that's that's part of the marketing thing. And people are like, oh, well, yeah. And people tell me all the time, you can have this done for half the cost overseas. I'm like, probably. Uh, but then I got to worry about importing and quality control and I can't do that from, from here. So that, I mean, that's part of the big marketing push too. I brought my dad, my dad has gotten very excited about this, uh, as well. And I brought him in on the business and he happens to actually, he was a veteran. He served, um, Vietnam, everything he was in the army. So actually having him on board, we were actually able to have, um, veteran status as well for the company. So. I think having, again, a quality-made product with a, a decent story, supporting people with disabilities, uh, veteran-owned, um, that, that's, that's mark, that markets the product right there. That's um, beautiful. Yeah. You have all the elements um, perfectly lined up that despite the price difference, you have the value in there to offer yeah. because uncompromising quality, you have your cost-oriented reason why you exist the purpose why you're doing it is actually fueling the needs of the country. Made in America is very important right now. And then finding a way to help those people with special needs and like literally ingraining them into the story is really very powerful. So that was like literally amazing. I mean, I'm excited with how you will be taking this forward and where Easy Shade will eventually, hopefully not just in the States, but in other parts of the world. Um, You mentioned when we last chatted that it's available or it's being sold in other countries. Which other countries is that? So actually I ran those numbers the other day and I hadn't realized myself because a lot of this now, uh, Amazon, uh, uh, the hands-off, right? I'm not doing the, the shipping myself. It's 
being fulfilled by Amazon, being fulfilled by Walmart, um, going to be fulfilled by Lowe's and Home Depot. Um, but I can, I can download the, where the tracking, where everything's going. Cause I like to do that. So I, when I go into a retailer, like a big Walmart, I can say, here's a map of all your stores. Here's a map of where easy shade sold. That's the same. Uh, that's, you know, again, getting creative with those with on how to sell yourself and market yourself. And that's one of them, you know, taking that extra step. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, apparently I, we have been, we've got sales in 42 countries now. 42. Wow. 42. So it's that through Amazon. I mean, because through Amazon through my website. Yeah. It's people, yeah. People ordering. And the weird thing is they spend, thank you to everyone out there who has bought, um, they're spending a $20, $25 to have it shipped, you know? Wow. Cause they, there's not, cause there's nothing else available in these other places. So they, then they want the easy shape. So I'm, as we're growing and that's kind of part of my pitch is, Hey, this isn't just, uh, again, it's a light shade, right? It's not sexy. Mm-hmm. It's not fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not some new food or drink or, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a lamp, it's a lampshade, but it works. It makes money. It's supporting a good cause and it can work worldwide. Yes. It is working worldwide and so oh, yeah. it has a worldwide need. True. True. So it has a worldwide need. And, and I think that's the scale of, and I'm, that's why I also, I keep pushing the scalability of this is so much, so much higher. So now that's it, you know, that it's being, you know, sold and um, brought by people internationally. Right. I mean, just out of curiosity, is it just word of mouth or probably reviews from other people passing the information on, or are you also actively promoting it in those other countries? Uh, no, I'm not at promoting it at all in other countries. Everything's organic. Yeah. Uh, here in the States. So we wow. were pushing a lot of money at Amazon ads. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, uh, sales are almost plateau. And I'm like, okay, something's wrong. So I just, in October, just pulled all the advertising. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Not doing any any money to marketing or advertising, and then sales went up, and they've been going up now since. Part of that, I think, is is I've got a product, and it, this doesn't speak to everyone, but if you have a unique product, who are your competitors? What are people looking for? Right? I you look up a clip on light shade or ceiling lampshade. There's like one or two other things that out there like mine, and they but they they work differently. They clip underneath. They don't work with every bulb. They're I don't want to say cheap because I don't want to, they're not as good. The quality's not there. Um, yeah. But uh, I think people are looking for it and they see it. And the, the, the biggest thing is probably reviews. People post pictures. Look, people are turning their uh, basements into offices or home gyms their, or their garage as well. Um, LED lights are so bright. And I don't think people realize how harsh actual lighting is on your eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that causes headaches and people wonder why they have headaches because you're dealing with this super bright light and they're not even paying attention. That's why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think again, it's the quality of the product that hopefully people are reading the story as well. I put a, a, a little, uh, sheet of paper in every, every product that says, you know, your purchase is supporting those with disabilities. And it says why, um, so that's great because like, I think you have something in there. The story of the success of a typical startup would be if you have a great product that it works, the one person who bought it will tell five other friends and those five other friends will just simply 
talk to more people and then the story of the product will be simply amplified. And I think that's a great story for um, aspiring startups who would be probably not very sure or confident of their you know situation because there's like a lot of risk. I mean, we talked about all the rejections and the no's earlier, but ultimately when you start seeing small pieces of success that's really very encouraging and you have a very grounded high quality product and you have your marketing rolled into it the purpose of the brand is also in there and why you're doing it um i think you have you have a unicorn in there <laughs> and i think this is your story i mean i'm I, i'm so fascinated hearing all Thank of you. you yeah thanks um so brian um if you're gonna give some sort of an advice to your 21 year old self to, like, looking back into that journey um, and where you are right now is like, what advice will you give a 21 year old Brian? Ooh, uh, believe, mm -hmm. believe in yourself. Uh, keep making those connections. Uh, don't, don't ever take no for an answer. <laughs> um, realize that happiness is time, time, right? Um, there's a, I spent a lot of time away and I enjoyed it and I loved it and I don't have, I don't have any regrets. Um, but really it is not as avoid the naysayers, avoid those who ask why or question things and that's, and ask your own questions. I think that's always kind of been, uh, is a big thing that I've learned as I've gotten older is it's, it's okay to question things. I think a lot of people don't do that and people just go along and get along. Um, and they just take, you know, whatever somebody told them as fact and that's not it. Question things, like dig mm -hmm. deep. Find, you know, the truth or look at both sides, look at the left side, look at the right side and formulate your own opinion where that may be. So odds are it probably falls in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Then last question, we would typically ask all our guests this single question. Um, uh, what does a meaningful life mean to you? Time, having time. Uh, at the, at that is meaningful and success is having time with your family, having time, more time with your friends, with your dog. <laughs> yes. Love my dog. Um, and I think that's, you hear people working all these hours and for what? Cool. Maybe you make a million dollars a year, but do you have time to spend it? What are you, what are you doing with it? Right? Maybe, maybe work is your life and you love that and that's cool. Um, then, then that's a, that's great. But I think, what is meaningful is time is being able to manage your own time too. And I think that's the biggest part of being an entrepreneur, uh, as well. N am I working more than 40 hours a week now? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd rather work 80 hours a week for myself than 40 hours a week for anyone else. Mm -hmm. and, and again, it's the time in, in doing what I enjoy and what brings me joy and hopefully in helps others. Um, that is super inspiring, Brian. And I'm sure a lot of, you know, the people who've heard your story, um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and where you are right now, um, is going to be very motivating. And I'm hoping that those, you know, young, up and coming and studying um, entrepreneurs will find their way and craft their own journey and be inspired with how you started and where you are today. So, you know, if you would want to promote your product, your business, the platform is yours, go for it, invite everyone. 
Give it a shot. Uh, hop on there. You know, shoot me a message too. Every uh, you can. I'm very accessible. But... Yeah. How can they best reach you? By the way, or Easy Shade? Like, do you have like your website, your socials? Hop on the website, EasyShadeCover.com. Easy, the letter Easy, like right here. Uh, EasyShadeCover.com. My email's out there. I'm pretty sure my phone number is out there. I was mistakenly putting that in the box for a long time. Stop doing that. <laughs> like, call me. Tell me about it. Really you know, well, I wanted people to call, right? I wanted to know the customer. Um, yeah, very accessible. Social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. Um, you can find me, the LinkedIn as well. And you can find, again, the product, uh, Amazon, uh, Etsy, Home Depot, we're Lowe's, hopefully by the we'll, by the end of the month and then uh, nationwide in May. Uh, this has been a great chat. I learned a lot and at the same time, very inspired. Thank you for taking the time you. to chat to everyone today and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for doing this and, and having this, this kind of thing out there. People, this people need, we need more of this in the world. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks.